if you've been following this story, it's been pretty chaotic out of Russia, Ukraine, and Belarus lately. The mercenary leader, who you remember, I think it was last weekend, um, the short-lived, I don't know, coup, mutiny, whatever you want to call it, against the Kremlin, um, apparently now is in Russia. And his Wagner troops, he's the leader of the Wagner militia, they're back in their field camps. This is according to the president of Belarus yesterday. But that's not the way that it's supposed to be worked. That's not what we were told initially, um, because after the challenge to Vladimir Putin and his rule, and they were going to march on Moscow, the deal was reached that he'd leave Russia and he'd go to Belarus. So when the president of Belarus, Alexander Lukashenko, says he's not there anymore, everybody's wondering, what? Well, he's in Russia? He can't be in Russia. The Kremlin won't comment about where he is, but it's crazy. There's a lot of things going on. And what does it mean about that deal to sort of end his uprising? Let's see if we can get some answers. We're going to chat with Andrew Rasoulis, who's a defense expert with the Canadian Global Affairs Institute. Andrew, thank you for joining us. I really appreciate your time, sir. You're very welcome. Good morning, sir. What is going on? Is there, is there any way to really know yeah. what the situation is? Yeah, the murky world of Russian yeah. politics. Um so, yes, I mean, your summary is correct, and uh, the point is that there is actually no confirmation of where Prigozhin is. Uh, it is supposed now that he has moved from Belarus to Russia. He has been seen reportedly in Russian media uh, in St. Petersburg, but also perhaps in Moscow. St. Petersburg is where their headquarters is. For right, yeah. And so uh, there have been actually photographs released by the Russians, showing uh, evidence of a police raid on Prigozhin's St. Petersburg house. And, you know, it shows uh, his wigs and everything else, all the disguises he used to use and so on, but no pictures of the man currently, right? And when uh, Peskov, the the, uh, the spokesperson for Putin, was asked the question, where is Prigozhin? He said, we don't track him, which, of course is not really true, because they track him all the time, but they don't want to acknowledge him. So the reason that they don't want to acknowledge his whereabouts must be that the deal, which was, you know, saying that he would be in Belarus, is now in flux. And beyond that, it's anyone's speculation what that flux means. Okay, let me ask you a couple of the things here that uh, I'm not clear about. Alexander Lukashenko, where does he fit all into this? He's got ties to Putin. He's got ties yeah. uh, to Wagner. What, what's his play here, do you think? Well, he, he's played the role of the, what I call the helpful fixer, if you will, for Putin. Um, so when, when they were, when they were, uh, well, first of all, we have to know that Belarus and Russia are almost one country, yeah. but not quite. Yeah, there's a semi-autonomy there. Okay. So that allowed him to actually get into the weeds here with the leader of another country, which is really not that separate. So he called Putin when this revolt was starting to take place. And, and then he called Prigozhin because he also knows Prigozhin. So he, worked it with some one or two other people, power brokers in Russia at the same time. They're all working a deal here on la- two Saturdays ago to try to keep this revolt from becoming a civil war and really blowing up. And, and they succeeded in dampening things and avoiding that civil war, if you will. So his role uh, was to actually put an end to this. He, he worked the deal that diffused it. He was the diffuser of the situation. And by allowing Belarus to be an exile for him, it gave him a good exit that everybody could sort of agree to. 
And for those Wagner troops who chose to go into exile with Rogozin, that was a way out too. Or they could go sign contracts with the Ministry of Defense in Russia and go back and fight, or they could retire. So they, they were given all sorts of ways out here. So basically it was diffusion. And as we speak today, there is still no violence. Uh, the diffusion element of the deal is continuing to work. But the power relationship element of the deal is very unclear because Prigozhin is not apparently in exile in Belarus. He is somewhere in Russia. He is a powerful person. He's not trying to remove Putin, though. He never did, right? His thing was to angle against the Ministry of Defense, mm-hmm. particularly the Minister of Defense, Shoigu. So Prigozhin sees himself as a power broker inside Russia. And uh, the question is, is he, is he getting deeper into Russian politics now uh, or not? And, and there's, there's levers within levers now that I'm not inside the Kremlin walls and I can't tell you what is going on, but something's going on. Do you agree? I've seen a lot of analysts lately saying, you know what, whatever Prigozhin says or what Belarus says or what Putin says, there is no doubt that Putin has people looking for this guy. Like, you don't do what he did to Vladimir Putin and walk away unscathed. So in terms of what risk he faces being in Russia from Putin, what do you think that amounts to? Ah, well, that's poli- that is a purely political calculation on the part of Putin. Uh, if, for right now, Putin's calculation has been that uh, not to harm precaution, publicly at least, they've, 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 they've tarnished his reputation somewhat. They've done investigations on his financing. Uh, they, they've done a raid on his house, but they have not publicly harmed him because politically, Putin must have calculated that that would not work in his favor because Prigozhin has some support in Russia. So he, it's a delicate matter. Okay. And it, 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 we don't know where it's going to go. Putin may at one point decide to remove Prigozhin from the scene if that's in his political interest. Currently, today, it is not. If it were, Prigozhin would be gone. So the fact that he's not gone suggests to me that Prigozhin still is important and Putin's calculus is let Prigozhin do whatever he is doing quietly, because it's all quiet. There's no public image, because Prigozhin's public uh, relations uh, uh, outlet has been shut down. He has no public voice anymore. Gotcha. Okay, now, the other question, of course, is what this means for the broader conflict between Russia and Ukraine, because we know um, the Wagner troops were basically the ones conducting the majority of the war, at least in some places. So not knowing exactly what's going on with them, where they are, what does this mean for what might happen with Russia and Ukraine? So in the, in the, in the war as a whole, uh, really not that much, because... The Wagner group was very important and decisive in the Battle of Bakhmut. Yeah. But yes, but only there. And so while that's an important battle, there's a whole bunch of other, there's, there's, a, there's about a, a thousand kilometer front there. And the fighting as we speak today is going on all along that area. Bakhmut, yes, but there are re- regular Russian army troops now fighting that battle. And, and, and then there's fighting in the south. There's fighting all up and down the line. And the, the, the absence of the Wagner group it has not strategically affected the Russian defense. The Russian defense continues to hold. In fact, it's holding to such a point that the Ukrainians now have had to make a change in their strategy 
from trying to punch a hole through the line because it's costing them too much in terms of men or, yeah, like material and people. Uh, and they're adopting what they call, what the Ukrainians are calling an asymmetrical attritional strategy, which they're trying to somehow wear down the Russians, inflict more casualties on the Russians than the Russians can inflict on the Ukrainians. And when the Ukrainians feel that they have worn down the Russians to such a point that they could dry their punch through, they'll try to punch through. A bit like World War One, actually. It's, it's so chaotic. And like you say, the, part of the problem here, Andrew, is you don't know who to believe, right? Because there's there's all kinds of information warfare that's going on at the same time around all of it from all sides. Absolutely. You have to be, and as, a, as a public commentator, I always look for um, a verification yeah. uh, from multiple sources. And uh, I, you know whether the Ukrainians say it or the Russians say it, I'm skeptical about everything until I hear, I, I see it sort of in my independent sources. Yeah, probably the only way to do it. Andrew, thank you so much for joining us and, and giving us a little insight here. We always appreciate it. 